Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Being on universal credits and seeing my friends um, fall into employment and friends who already had former jobs beforehand, there was a definite envy towards them. And even with them being furloughed, I never saw it as they were missing out because to be furloughed, you had to have a job in the first place. And I was hugely envious of them for even having that opportunity. I wouldn't say there was any conflict though. I think there was a definite misunderstanding when it comes to points in lockdown where we were able to see each other again. I couldn't afford to do things that they could and to explain it to them was quite difficult because I think naturally if you have universal credits or any benefits, people just assume you have money to spend and it's not always the case. Coming up in today's episode... Claire Seal, who is tackling £27,000 of debt, shares how you can tell your friends if you can't spend money. Often, if people don't really struggle with money or have always had quite a straightforward relationship with it, they just don't understand what an emotional pull it can have on you. Personal finance guru Kia Commodore shares some tips on how to navigate the money gap in a more positive way. You should never feel obliged to have to take out extra lines of credit, for example, like a credit card or an overdraft, just to keep up with friends. A true friend would never put you in that position. Plus, we bring you more testimonials from our amazing listeners. I became conscious of the money gap in my 20s when I realised many of my friends could afford to hit the milestones that I couldn't, like renting nice locations, buying property and eventually having kids. This wasn't helped by being surrounded by a few toxic people who saw money as the sign of success above all else. At first, I let these things really create a toxic mindset, um, which started to affect my well-being but over time I've come to realize that many of these friends came through money through circumstances that I could never control and actually in the grand scheme of things I'm doing all right which means I don't need to let the difference in our wealth affect our relationships and I can now focus on being happy on my own terms. Welcome back to another episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Today, we're going to be talking about the money gap and how awkward and uncomfortable it can be if your friends earn more money than you or have more money than you or vice versa. I think as Brits, we're just terrible at talking about money anyway. Mm-hmm. In friendship groups, <laughs> it is something that feels quite awkward to bring up if you're struggling to keep up with everybody else. And of course, we wanted to talk about this today because we know this problem has been exacerbated uh, over the last 10 months or so for a lot of people due to the pandemic. I wrote about this topic after the first lockdown last spring. 
And I spoke to people who were worried about the differences between their salary and their friends. Half the population were worried about money, perhaps they'd lost jobs, and the other half had been working from home and had saved money on commuting. And obviously things have gotten worse for a lot of people since then. And there's loads of research out there about how lower income families are being the hardest hit financially by this pandemic. They're borrowing more to to make up for those funds and higher income families are actually saving money. So, you know, the gap's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we just wanted to talk about it really to hopefully make it a tiny bit easier or just get the conversation going in friendship groups. Definitely. I think whether or not it's been exacerbated for you personally at the moment, it's always been there, hasn't Mm. it? And I remember when I first started working and was earning, well, first of all, no money and then (laughs) very little money and trying to keep up with friends who were earning a lot more than me. I didn't even realise that that was happening. I kind of was getting into quite a lot of debt just to go out for dinner and to go on holiday and, you know, live a lifestyle that was completely beyond my means. And it wasn't up to my friends to realise that, you know, I couldn't keep up because I didn't even realise myself that I couldn't keep up. And then once I realised and kind of (laughs) realised how much debt I'd got myself in, it was really awful and I'm smiling about it now because oh, it took me about f- four years and I managed to pay it off slowly but surely. But it's really hard because you want to, you know, it's not just about hard cash, it's about your life, yeah. you know, and you want to be able to enjoy yourself. You want to be able to treat yourself to like, you want to be able to go on holiday or you want to be able to live in a place that, you know, is is in a half decent location or, you know, maybe has a garden or, you know, all of these things, they really impact your well-being, but everything costs money. And if you're kind of living beyond your means, it catches up with you fast. And it's just really hard to even realise that that's happening. And especially, I think, to have those conversations with people. Like I still, even though I've noticed it myself, I still haven't spoken to lots of my friends about the disparity. I've just learnt to say no. Just turn down the invites. Yeah. Yeah. I completely relate to what you're saying with that because I've definitely got some friends who earn more than me who, um, yeah, perhaps have slightly different tastes than I am able to have, but it doesn't stop me wanting those things as well. And social media is a big part of it too. I think that's often where all that stuff plays out because you can see the meals that people are, you know, having when they're dining out and the fancy holidays and the nice houses So in the past, obviously, we'd have seen it that way. But now, because nobody's going anywhere, we don't so much. And the money gap in itself has become a much more hidden problem. Mm. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. You know, you've not got the same pressure to keep up and say yes to the dinner and whatever else. But actually, we're spending less time together face to face. So you don't necessarily know if a friend is really struggling financially behind the scenes. Mm. I definitely agree with all of that. One way I think it's also kind of showing itself or at least manifesting inside is through our ability to plan post-pandemic or post-lockdown. So um, I'm talking about, you know, the ability to be able to plan a holiday or plan for future milestones you know if you if you were kind of hoping to get married or if you were hoping to buy a house and and that that's completely changed 
for you as a result of not being able to save as much or, you know, having to dig into your savings there are a lot of people who can kind of talk about the future in a really positive way because, as you said, a lot of people have been able to save right now. Mm. Um, But for others, they're living in this infinite present with no ability to look forward. And that, you know, to be honest, before this happened, the way that I live, I used to just look forward to going on holiday and look forward to annual leave, (laughs) no offence to my employer, just look forward (laughs) to when I was able to, like, have a kind of break, whether that was you know, just a day out somewhere or a holiday somewhere, whether that's far away or, you know, a staycation or whatever. It was through holidays and through kind of planning breaks that that's kind of how I lived. And it's hard when you can't do that anymore as a result of something completely out of your control. Yeah. And some people can do that and some people can't, which is the thing, isn't it? I had three friends get engaged over Christmas, which is lovely. And for me, I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited for these three weddings coming Mm -hmm. up. But I also know that within those three friendship circles, there are people who've lost their jobs this year. I've got a couple Mm -hmm. of friends who work in the arts who haven't had any work this year. And I can only imagine that they're going, shit, that's three more, you know, three more Hindus, three more weddings, three more lots of hotels to pay for. Mm -hmm. So it is, even though we're not going out right now, I do think it's going to be on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, and when we are finally let loose, it's going to hit even harder. Yeah, so, so true. That's why we're really excited to have two amazing guests on the podcast today, one of whom will speak to us about her personal experiences of facing up to her own money struggles and also a personal finance expert who can teach us not only how to have open conversations with friends and family about money, but also provide simple changes we can make for how we personally relate to our own finances. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? You can use the hashtag AIMYU to join in the conversation on social media. Today we are joined by Claire Seal, who started an Instagram account, My Frugal Year, which charts her journey paying off £27,000 worth of debt. She also wrote a book called The Real Life Money Journal, and now has a more open relationship towards discussing money with her friends and family. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here virtually. (laughs) So when you first started My Frugal Year, you were £27,000 Uh, in debt. Um, Could you talk to us about how you got into that debt? When you hear the number first off, you kind of conjure up these images of designer handbags and flashy cars and all of that stuff. And actually, it wasn't really that at all. It was a sort of fundamentally quite broken relationship with money and spending, I think, coupled with some big life milestones that happened earlier in my life than in a lot of my Mm. peers. So things like having children, getting married, moving house a lot of times, um, which obviously before Vicky Spratt's campaign got letting fees um, banned was Mm. really, really expensive. Um, And so I think... What tends to happen with a lot of people's kind of financial situation is that um, it goes from a jumping off point when you like enter the world of earning and work and then it compounds in one direction or the other. And for me, it compounded in the other direction and I've had to do loads of just work on kind of my relationship with money, which has always been very fraught and very flawed. God, that's really honest for you to say in the way you describe it. You can 
totally imagine how it can happen, actually. Tell us a bit about why you decided to share my frugal year online, because I know you were anonymous when it started, weren't you? And then you later revealed yourself. It didn't feel like there was space in my body or my brain to process everything. And I needed some kind of external like vessel to channel it into. And for some reason, I chose Instagram. I didn't really expect for it to to turn into like the community that it's become, because I think similar to loads of other people facing debt or financial difficulty or insecurity, um, I just felt like completely alone and like it was only me and that I was kind of uniquely stupid to be in that situation when in actual fact you know even if you just look at the stats it's prolific you know Mm -hmm. financial difficulty or at least instability or precariousness is rife it was rife even before the pandemic and now goodness knows so what, what changed to make you drop the anonymity behind the account? A lot of what I was talking about was letting go of the shame around financial difficulty. And I sort of felt like there was only a certain amount of time that I could do that and continue to be anonymous and not feel disingenuous. And I sort of feel like if people are in a situation similar to I was a couple of years ago and feeling absolutely terrible I sort of feel like maybe it might have helped me at that point to hear somebody just on the radio going yeah I had like 27 grand's worth of debt and this is why it happened and there were reasons and just Mm. talking about it without being so apologetic and so Mm -hmm. cowed um and I think you know, the shame about money and financial difficulties really mirrored by a lot of judgment out there. So it's not just an internal issue. There's a lot of external judgment. But I think if you can see someone who's challenging that vocally, hopefully it just helps people feel less ashamed and less closed up because that's the worst situation to be in. You spoke earlier about feeling isolated for a long time in your kind of own personal um, financial situation. How did you have that first conversation with kind of friends and family to let them know what your situation was? Because it's, it feels like it, you know, it was such a personal experience and something that you kind of kept quite close for so long. When I told my really close group of girlfriends, I literally sent a really long text to the group just blurting everything out. Speaking to family as well, like I didn't even speak to sort of my grandparents or whatever. They just like read about it in the Telegraph. Amazing. But the way you talk about money is so dependent on your individual personal relationships Mm. and it's really difficult there isn't there isn't like an easy way to do it I think there are things that you can do to make it easier like I always find having difficult conversations much easier in the car when someone's driving and you can't you don't have Mm. to like look them in the eyes that's a great tip (laughs) yeah or like on a walk if you're like in motion but some people respond well to getting a text or an email or a letter and some people really hate that. So I think I tried to navigate the sort of issue or the topic within my personal relationships in like a a bespoke way. You mentioned that a lot of the reactions were quite different. Were any of them negative? 
often if people don't really struggle with money or have always had quite a straightforward relationship with it, they just don't understand what an emotional pull it can have on you. But then, you know, other people within the same group, I could almost like visibly see relief on their face. So I think it's very tricky to navigate, but overall the effect of talking about it is usually positive. And I think, you know, we all know that in every area of our lives, sometimes you have to have difficult conversations, unfortunately. Um, And not every relationship is always going to be harmonious. And sometimes you have to discuss your differences with people you care about very much. I think talking about the relief that people feel when they kind of maybe recognise they have like some money issues to hear that that they're not the only one. It's definitely something that I felt as well. In a past life, when I used to go out for dinner or, you know, do something with friends, if ever I kind of couldn't really afford it and would be like, should we just go, um, I don't know, like, do you want to come round instead? Or should we have dinner at someone's house? No one ever objects. Everyone's like, yes, yes, please can we do it at home? Or please can we go to a cheaper place? It feels like if ever you offer up a cheaper option even if they're not having really kind of acute money issues, the opportunity to save a bit here or there, you know, or spend less is is often quite a welcome for people. Absolutely. I mean, one of the big factors in my complicated relationship with money is being a mother. And I did the NCT where you basically just pay for some friends. Um, and they were worth it. I'm still friends with a lot of them now, but um, it, investment. Yeah, it was. But, um, you know, everyone was a bit older than me. Uh, everyone owned their own house already. And I felt like I had to absolutely be the best mum that I could be to negate the fact that I hadn't planned for it. And that involved like spending money. But then in that circle of people, as we got to know each other better, we actually mostly dropped the pretense of doing these like expensive things with our babies. And we're just like, oh, do you want to come around to mine for a coffee? And you're right, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's material circumstances were so different, but there was still like a real element of relief if we decided Mm. to ditch something that was going to be really expensive Mm. and just do something a bit more relaxed. Have you got any advice for people who are about to start their own family or are looking to do that but they're currently struggling with money issues? One of the things that I hit on quite early when I was like doing all of this figuring out of everything was the fact that for a a woman or, or a man on parental leave um you can feel very isolated and that must be kind of a hundredfold at the moment and one of the things that can make you feel like you're part of something is having the same baby stuff as everyone else and I think you spend so much time scrolling on your phone when you're on maternity leave because you're pinned to the sofa feeding a baby or um you know you're kind of just looking for something mindless to do because you're exhausted. But then that sort of becomes like your community and you end up buying things that you don't need to feel like part of a group. But I would also say, you know, be realistic about the fact that we don't have a particularly good maternity pay system or parental pay system in this country and it's really difficult to live off and so I really 
passionately believe that you shouldn't have to be able to afford to have a child because how long do you go down that road before it's Mm. eugenics Mm -hmm. but you save yourself a lot of stress if you save what you can before you have that massive hit but it's so unbelievably Mm -hmm. complex um the relationship between money and parenthood um that I could do like a whole podcast series on that probably (laughs) that's so interesting everything you just said about kind of wanting to be part of a club um, especially on social media I think that will resonate for a lot of people there's this kind of peer pressure when it comes to spending money um, even if it's not kind of directly said even if it's as we say on social media or just kind of wanting to keep up with with your with your friendship group how do we tackle that within our friendship groups I think the only solution is being a bit more honest and it is really difficult because nobody wants to be the first one to broach the conversation, I don't think. And I think it's strange the dynamics of friendships and friendship groups because it seems like, you know, often there is some one-upmanship and sort of, um, you know, like comparison, but... Um, we never want to like explicitly put ourselves into a hierarchy because nobody wants to be at the bottom and nobody wants to be at the top. So if we're talking about disclosing like salaries or investments or Mm. whatever, you know, if you're the first person to say something, you're going to be placing yourself somewhere on that hierarchy. And it's very, you have to make yourself very, very vulnerable to do that, especially to do it first. But I think one of the things that I've sort of come to realise is that emotional spending gets a really bad rap as being something that's incredibly selfish, when actually most of the people that I know who spend too much according to their emotions do it to make other people happy or to make other people like them. And definitely Mm. for me in the past... I have spent and spent and spent, not necessarily to like compete with other people, but to make them like me, make them think that I'm like them, you know, just all of those things that we tend to Mm. do if we're like people pleasers. Um, And so actually, as well as those conversations with other people, I think, you know, a really important part of it is making peace with yourself and drawing some boundaries in what you're willing to do in order to please or Mm. impress other people. That's what it boils down to if you're at risk of maxing out your credit card limit or your overdraft. Or even if you're just like spending money that you've got, but you wanted to spend on something else in order like not to annoy somebody else what you're essentially doing is like putting their needs or their opinion over your own well-being you know there's two sides to it being more open but also a realization that you know you actually don't owe someone going on that super expensive weekend away god I feel so seen I didn't even realize that I was (laughs) doing the people pleasing but (laughs) oh my god I've just had like a revelation that is (laughs) Yeah, I definitely do that. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you started to get on top of your finances? What did that process look like for you? The first thing that I did and the first thing that I think most people have to do 
was that I just lays everything out on the table. Um, so kind of armed myself with all of the facts. And, you know, for a long while before that, money was the first thing that I thought about when I woke up in the morning and the last thing that I thought about before I went to sleep. And that kind of stopped because I knew what was going on. So I think the first thing I always say to people is, like start where you are but you have to know where you are first but also like alongside that doing that deeper work of figuring out why it happened in the first place yeah definitely I think you know we're missing so many of those like elementary building blocks of what makes us feel good that hopefully we'll sort of realize that we don't necessarily need all the frilly bits nicely put it's definitely a good time for a reset um we are out of time with you but before we let you go we do have one final question that we put to all of our podcast guests and that is what makes you uncomfortable oh i i mean still now like talking about money broadly makes me feel uncomfortable um and getting there with it it's easier for me to talk to a lot of strangers or to talk on a podcast about it than it is for me <laughs> to talk to like my friends and family yeah I was gonna say I hope we haven't made you feel no. too uncomfortable <laughs> for this this chat <laughs> well thank you so much and um you're doing such great work and um it's been so great to have thanks you Rachel. thanks Rachel yeah, thank you Follow Claire on Instagram at myfrugalyear, which is all about having those honest conversations about money. Now we're joined by Kia Commodore, who's a personal finance guru and runs the online platform Pennies to Pounds. Her friends always came to her with their money issues, which made her realise that many more people must be struggling. Now she shares advice about money on social media and through her podcast. Kia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So first of all, can you tell us what inspired you to start Pennies to Pounds? Yeah, so my inspiration came when I was at university and there were so many things about money and finances that I didn't know, like having to get your own Wi-Fi and what council taxes, all these things I didn't know before moving out. Obviously, I got to learn it thanks to, you know, the internet and my dad and everything. And then I realised that a lot of my friends had similar issues. So I would spend my time having to help them um, and making sure that they understood. And then from there, I realised, you know what, if my friends are having these issues, there's probably more young people out there who are having the exact same issues. So what kind of steps can we take to create more positive relationships with our money? I think it's just changing the way that you look at things um, and the way that you handle money. And instead of maybe sitting there and saying, you know, I'd, I'm never going to get out of the situation, trying to put a more positive spin on it and saying, right, you know what, I'm going to take my time and figure out a plan to get out of this debt. What does that look like for me is that a one year two year five year plan whatever that looks like I'm going to change that situation for myself to have a more positive outlook on money what do you think the best way is to start a conversation around money with family and friends I find the easiest way is to kind of just be open and just start a conversation so for example for me I've been having more conversations around finances with my friends so I might say oh you know what guys my aim this year is to try and save up for a holiday in the new year obviously not this year but a holiday for example (laughs) 
<laughs> and for example, I'm trying to save up a thousand pounds and it's a bit tricky, but I'm going to try and save up each month. And then from there, you find that naturally people have more conversation with you and say, oh, you know what? I'm trying to save up for this and I'm struggling a bit as well. What kind of tips are you doing or what are you trying to enforce to save? So because I've started those conversations, you've now fostered this kind of positive outlook again around money. And it's a lot easier for people to want to open up. We've been talking in this episode about that tricky thing if uh, you earn more than friends or friends earn more than you and there's a money gap in your friendship group. Can you tell us what changes we can make within our friendship groups just to be more mindful of everyone else's financial situations? I think it's just about finding a middle ground. So, you know, as and when things open up again, once you're back outside, instead of maybe going to like a really lavish restaurant because you can afford it, being mindful that actually there may be friends who maybe are trying to budget and I know they're trying to budget or don't have the same income as me, trying to find a level ground. I think the great thing to come out of the of COVID and the pandemic is a lot of people have realised, especially myself, that there is a lot of free things that you can do. You can go and meet up with friends outdoors and go and enjoy um, the wildlife and the nature, which is something I didn't do before. But that has now <laughs> yeah, become, <same. laughs> exactly, it's now become something that you can actually do and say to friends, you know what, let's meet up to go for a walk. So another way is to find an accountability partner. If I have someone, for example, a friend or a family member who's my accountability partner, they can check in with me at regular intervals and make sure that I'm on track of saving. So if, if that person knows that I'm trying to save and now all of a sudden I've splurged out and bought this nice pair of trainers which cost me 300 pounds but I haven't saved this month they can now keep me on track and say you know what you shouldn't have done that you know I thought we were in this rhythm of saving Mm -hmm. and kind of keep you in balance and in check I'm always a big fan of celebrating even the small wins so the small win for you is I'm usually terrible at saving but I've managed to put away 200 pounds for this year that makes you celebrate that and an accountability partner can be someone who can help you and celebrate along with you. Can you recommend practical steps that people can take from home, obviously, because we can't go out, as part of their New Year's resolution around money? Yes. So my number one biggest one is to start budgeting. And it's a good habit because it gets you used to knowing where your money's going and actually recognising and seeing how much you actually spend on different things. If you're someone who's looking to save, I'm a big fan of kind of gamifying savings because sometimes savings can be really boring. And it's like, oh, why am I saving? If you turn it into a challenge and say, you know what, me and my friends or me alone, I'm going to save up X amount per day and I'm going to do this over 30 days. It feels a bit more exciting. And I think the third one I'd say is it's kind of like the era where everyone's shopping online and most of these places and platforms have discounts. So go and find them, make use of them. So if you're struggling with a money gap in your friendship group, at what point do we need to step away? Like, What are the signs that it's, you know, it's gone too far, it's too much and that we need to maybe move on from the friendship? I think that's a great question. Some of the signs where you see people who just really just don't have any kind of like regard with regards to your finances. So you you maybe have made them aware that, you know, I can't really be spending a lot of money when we go out and they still continue to create outings in that place which are really expensive. People who just really aren't interested in, for example, any kind of goals you've got. If you're trying to save up for a house, if you told them, you know what, I'm actually going to budget a bit more because I really want to save up for my first house or my first car. People who really either don't include you when it comes to going out or still invite you and say, you know what, if you don't want to come, then you're not a true friend. You no know, people who try and guilt, guilt trip you in that way. You should never feel obliged to have to take out extra lines of credit, for example, like a credit card or an overdraft just to keep up with friends. A true friend would never put you in that position. I wouldn't want any of my friends to put themselves in debt just to come out and have fun. And I'm sure you two agree with me. And that that is probably like a big 
no, no. If you if you have friends like that, it's probably a sign for you to kind of step away um, and leave them where they're at and continue the path that you're on because your path isn't wrong. It's just that that person doesn't want to accommodate the path that you're on. Thank you, Takia, so much for those tips. And you can find Pennies to Pounds on Twitter under at Pennies to Pound and visit penniestopounds.co.uk for more tips on managing your money. In my day-to-day, I I span three continents. So I have many friends who earn more, many who earn less. And I say that that's really a benefit. When I earn more, it sometimes feels uncomfortable. You know, I don't feel like certain jobs should have, uh, you know, have a higher pay just because the market values them more. When I earn less, I feel uncomfortable too because, you know, I I myself don't feel valued in certain uh, relationships. You know, what I would say is right now I earn less and it's definitely uncomfortable in certain friendships. Uh, and in others, it's perfectly fine. So I do see myself gravitating more towards the people who are living out other values other than just making money. That was so great. Um, what amazing guests. I feel like I learned so much. I also think that I could have really done with listening to that podcast episode about seven or eight years ago, (laughs) just so that I learned a bit better how to navigate the money gap in my own friendship circle. Um, What about you? Yeah, I I agree. I learned a lot. And I also had a bit of a revelation that I spend money sometimes to please other people, (laughs) which Mm. I hadn't even realised I do until Claire said it and it was one of those real light bulb moments where I went oh my god I do that sometimes there are things that I want to save for and I don't save for those things because I've put someone else's priorities first like that is slightly bonkers um it's definitely going to change you know the way I approach certain social situations when we're allowed out of our houses again yeah it's so so interesting I was thinking about how you know, we put the harmony of the group and like Mm. seeming, you know, what appears to be what everyone else wants to do um, above what what we might need to do or not need to do. It's it's so interesting. I feel like, I mean, we've got a while until we're going to (laughs) be faced with these kind of dilemmas again. But when we are, maybe we'll learn just how to how to say no or how to kind of just be a bit more upfront as well. It's Mm. it's still such a difficult conversation to have but I do think that um I do feel a bit more equipped to maybe have those conversations if Mm. I ever need to or also actually be more mindful of other people's for sure you know I'm not just saying it's me like because that that's not that's not necessarily the case you don't know what anyone else is going through and also you don't know how much other people are are paying for their lifestyle through credit so you know perhaps you know bit of to and fro it would be good to to have those conversations up front yeah I love Kia's idea of an accountability partner so Mm -hmm. if you do want to try and save and change your behavior like to say to a mate oh I'm trying to do this can you like keep me in check it's actually Mm -hmm. such a positive way of looking at it and I thought her end point on if a friend isn't willing to support you in that they're not really a real friend like that just hits the nail on the head with all of this, isn't it really? Definitely. And I think that if you do have an accountability partner and they might even be in the same friendship group as you and then they can advocate for you as well and perhaps, you know, if if the question comes up about 
doing X, Y, or Z, and that's not something that you're able to do, maybe you can both suggest something else. Do you know what I mean? It just gives you a bit more. You might not feel so isolated in in speaking up for yourself. Someone else can do it. Like you were saying about being a stingy wingman. <laughs> being a stingy wingman. So <laughs> listeners won't know what this is, but a stingy wingman is when you are splitting the bill and you're the one who's drunk all of the alcohol and is making it expensive. And instead of saying, should we split the bill? You're the stingy wingman who says, Brogan hasn't been drinking tonight. I'll pay more than her. You know, rather than waiting for Brogan to pipe up and say, can we split the bill? I'm feeling awkward about it. Just be the stingy wingman. I don't think there'd ever be a case where I hadn't been <laughs> drinking as well. But um, but maybe I didn't have a starter or something. Also unlikely, but you know, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Good in theory. <laughs> and on that note, that's all we've got time for on today's episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing another topic which is making me uncomfortable already. Why can't women poo? I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. I've got the giggles about Brogan reading out poo. The next episode's <laughs> going to be a nightmare. <laughs> and I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our assistant producer is Martha Vanderwolf and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is A-I-M-Y-U. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.